Did you know that women represent only about 25% of the workforce in tech? My next guest knows about being a woman in tech. She has a PhD in condensed matter physics. She's been a leader in the tech industry. And starting in 2019, she's been focused on her passion for broadening diversity and inclusion in the technology industry and offers leadership and success coaching for women in tech with a personal goal of assisting 2,000 women to achieve leadership roles over the next five years. In her own words, she wants to change the world. So join me today as we embark on this journey with Dr. Tony Collis. My name is Aruna Krishnan, best-selling author of the Busy Mind series, a trilogy that helps leaders thrive. Welcome to Lead That Thing, a podcast that empowers women in their lives, businesses, and careers. With her background in tech, Tony understands the importance of supporting women that are also in this field. I am a women in tech leadership coach. I am all about helping women in a male-dominated environment, so all the way I focus on women in tech. Um, my background is actually first in physics and then in technology. I'm all about helping women in that male-dominated background thrive. Because I believe that when we can thrive as women, we create better products, we create better teams, we create a better world. Like This seems a bit cliche, but I genuinely believe I'm here to change the world. I've been saying that for the longest time. <laughs> I used to get people laughing at me when I said it, and I'm just like, no, seriously, I'm here to change the world. And part of that is by helping women stand in their own power, stand in their own potential, see where there, see the where there are things that they are doing that potentially are holding them back, right? Because we do hold ourselves back. The cultural conditioning we have as women tells us to be the person that's a people pleaser, tells us to be the person that looks after everybody, that does all the things to make everybody else happy. And sadly, as we both know, that doesn't work when you're trying to lead. That doesn't work when you're ready to step up and really own your potential in the tech space. When you need to advocate for your ideas, otherwise, if you don't have that power, when you have a great idea, it's not heard. And that is a loss to not just you, but your company, your team, to planet Earth, like cliche, I know, but seriously, like technology is the thing that is changing the human race for the better. And if our voices are not heard as women, we don't get to contribute to that. And that is such a shame for the human race and for the rest of the planet. Tony talks about standing in your own power. That means doing what you do best and bringing that to your teams. Instead of trying to fit into some pre-existing mold, defining a new culture, defining a new mold that broadens perspectives and creates better ideas. The eventual execution of these ideas is what Tony refers to as being able to change the world. Every single one of us has power to change the world. But you do personally have to think big and then take baby actions along the way. And mm -hmm. we're kind of already going into some of the stuff I really want to talk about yeah. here because one of the things I love to do is help people see that if you do like a tiny action every single day, like if you improve yourself by 1% every day, that's 30% in a month. 1% every day can do something truly extraordinary. Baby steps, change one person at a time, change one product at a time. 
have the power to sit in your own value statement for just 30 minutes for that one meeting that's super important to you today. Imagine if each of us decided today that we are going to be more considerate to other people. What kind of world would we live in in about six months? A year? Wouldn't it be a much better place, a much more peaceful place? I certainly would like to think that. I think emotional intelligence is a really big part in how we get along with each other, whether that's at a household level, whether that's a corporate level, whether it's at a country or worldly level. So much of our pain and anguish is caused by not listening to the other side. And it works both ways. Like, like especially even if we're quite emotionally intelligent, if somebody's attacking us, we quite often shut that piece of us down, which as we both know, as women in tech, that does happen a fair amount, right? I work mm. with a lot of women and I've been here myself where somebody's having a go at me personally because that environment is sadly so prevalent in tech. And they just, you just emotionally to protect yourself, sit down like and sit away from it and just shrink within yourself. And the moment you do that, you're doing an injustice to yourself and to everyone else because if you could keep that emotional tension up, well, protecting yourself, right? But if you could, you would be able to bridge that gap. And it's bridging that gap that is so important. And as you say, well, peace. Yeah. I mean, there are some, some unpleasant people out there, but far fewer than we think there are, I think. Emotional intelligence not only helps us discern a situation more rationally, but it also helps us process what people say to us. It prevents us from taking things personally. It helps us analyze situations as they are. So this helps us react in a more rational way. And that way, your relationships, whether they're at work, in business, or at home, are built on a better foundation, a better footing. We go back to how Tony discovered her passion for helping women in tech. I am definitely one of those women who didn't have a clear career trajectory for the longest time. But I realized early on I wanted to work in supercomputing because I was using supercomputing in my physics career to do my science, to do my research. So I pivoted into supercomputing. And in supercomputing, the number of women is, it's at rock bottom. It broke my heart. And I was... Long story short, I was really quite angry about it. I've learned since that anger doesn't achieve very much, but I was angry. And I, I was doing quite a lot of different things around equity, diversity, inclusion. Anyway, it's kind of like a side hobby. And it got to a point where um, with the backing of the organization I worked for, I created what turned into an international charity, Women in High Performance Computing. Um, I think if I'd known what I was going to bite off, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I thought it'd just be like a little group of women in Scotland where I am. And within 12 months, it went international. And um, by the time I stepped down from running it last summer, it had spread to over 70 countries. Um, and it, it, it just was so badly needed. And that's really what taught me what I really want to do. Because it, as much as I love the tech and I love supercomputers, I was never a great programmer. Like I was a parallel programmer, moved into leadership. It was never something that really lit me up. What lit me up was changing the opportunities for the women that I worked with, which is why a couple of years ago, I moved into coaching women full-time in tech. 
because I truly believe that is the way I can contribute best to changing the world. I mean, I have the most amazing clients and I think they're all just incredible women. And if you're listening to this and thinking I couldn't possibly be, I can guarantee you could be, <laughs> but um, you know, and they're amazing in their thing and their tech and all that. And I've realized that my gift to this planet is helping others realize their gift, realize their potential so that they can do great things too. If we get to the point of believing in ourselves, we've conquered half the battle. Tony tells us about how she experienced imposter syndrome, even as a C-suite executive. Um, I got all the way to the C-suite. I had huge amounts of imposter syndrome along the way. I, I mean, one of the things I love working with women on is imposter syndrome because I experienced it so profoundly. I still have it pretty much every day. I just now have the tools and techniques to like take control and move forwards. We get into some of those tools and techniques. Yeah, so I, I, as I said, um, imposter syndrome is one of the things I'm most passionate about. And so I actually have like a, a mini training that, um, that people can go through on this. And the first thing I always do with people is try and help them understand what type of imposterism is showing up in which way. So um, you probably know this as the perfectionist, there's the superwoman, the natural genius, the soloist. Um, and I think it's all about understanding how that's showing up. And for me, I can take every single one of those boxes, but they show up at different times. So I'm a perfectionist in the way well, I used to be very much so in the way I deliver my work, right? Um, the, so whenever I take on something new, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> whenever I develop a new course for the first time, I'm, I'm trying to be perfectionist and it holds me back and I have to like actively pull myself back. So for example, with perfectionist, because it's one I'm super in, I think many of us are actually, I think there's something about being a woman in tech or I know a woman in STEM that perfectionism is something that really cripples us. I like to do a couple of things. One is about celebrating more. So it seems like a silly thing to do, but I find something to celebrate every single day. It might be trivial and small, but I remind myself of my successes every day. I have a success log <laughs> that I fill in every Friday where I put my wins. And whenever I'm like aware the perfectionism is creeping in, you have to do that work to see where it's creeping in. Um, so it's like a major red flag that you can be like, oh, that's happening again. I will quite often go to my success log and look for examples in this similar sort of area. So I'm like, I do know how to do this. I can deliver stuff that's not perfect and I do well. And I think that's a really big one. The other one which goes hand in hand with it is redefining perfection. Perfect is, deliver, is delivering the right thing at the right time to the right standard. If you never deliver it, it's definitely not perfect. <laughs> And I, this, I think, takes us a long time to really understand. And I also think as leaders, it's our duty to really understand this about ourselves so we can help our team. The number of times I work with a leader who's really frustrated at their team members, and I'm like, that sounds like perfectionism. It looks like procrastination and not delivering, but I'm like, it sounds like perfectionism. Do you need to have a conversation with them like the one we had two weeks ago? And it's like a light bulb moment. They go from being really irritated and frustrated with their team members to actually figuring out how to help them push through that procrastination piece. I think that's a really big one. So yeah, I love to do all that. Um, the same thing with the superwoman where you feel like you have to do anything, everything yourself. I think celebration comes in with all of these, recognizing the small things. And also a lot of the work I do with both myself and with my clients is 
building internal validation. Um, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot, <laughs> but we're all used to needing external validation. As girls, we're like, well done, gold star. <laughs> you know? um, I've actually begun to notice this in my niece and nephew. My nephew is five years old, he's at school, and he started getting certificates for like gold stars in the week. And I mean, I, I wonder how it's going to play out with him as a little boy, but with my niece, I really worry that she's going to grow up in this same environment of she's told to look pretty, make people happy and get gold stars. And that breeds the perfectionist. It breeds the superwoman. I have to everything for myself. And we have to retrain ourselves to have internal validation rather external validation. We have to know that I am good enough. I do have the skills, I do have the competencies and I've got the internal proof and I don't need to make everybody happy, which comes all the way around to that people please that we were talking about before. And that's why all this stuff is all like wrapped up together. Right? I don't think you can do like one bit of leadership without doing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Our need to be perfect, our need to please people and our need to do everything ourselves actually prevent us from growing. Even if you think about that in the context of a business, if you put everything on yourself, it's going to drain you and it actually prevents you from doing creative things. It prevents you from growing and being your best self, which leads to Tony's take on empowerment. Empowerment is really that internal validation work that says, I belong here. I have something to contribute. People should listen to me. And still obviously show up with that full emotional intelligence and being able to say no, for example, rather than feeling that you have to say yes. I think this is, that's one of the most important things that we have to learn how to do is if you want to really elevate your career, you have that ambition piece. And I think this is something most people don't understand. You can have ambition and have crippling self-doubt at the same time. That was me for the longest time. I was extremely ambitious. I am genuinely here to change the world, but oh my goodness me, I want to go hide in a corner kind of thing. That was me for the longest time. Empowerment is leaning into that ambition and saying, I'm going to do it anyway. Because we only get confidence when we actually step out of our comfort zone. People think if I do all the mindset work and I, I do all the things to make sure that I've redefined failure, redefined success, redefined perfectionism, do all that that will only get you 50% of the way. The final 50% is going, I have to do this anyway, and taking that step, a baby step. It doesn't have to be big. That 1% step outside of your comfort zone and then realizing that you're okay. It's all those little things that all come together that build a great leader. And that's true women's empowerment. And I would say, my number one tool or tactic for building our empowerment is working on our, our resilience, our personal resilience. I think as a woman in tech, I think as women who are working in male dominated environments, and even if you're in a female dominated environment, I think a lot of the time, because society and culture tells us that men rise to the top, there is so much pressure on us to be perfect. There's so much pressure on us to, be the perfect mom, be the perfect family member, and make it to the top. Um, I, I mean, I have clients who are actually, they've 
they own enough that their husband is a stay-at-home dad and yet there's still so much pressure on them to be even better because society tells us that as women we we have our place and so when we work on our resilience it gives us that I don't know the what the right word is the armor I guess that feels too brittle but I suppose it's like an armor that you can pull on when you need it but then it can come down when it's not needed it doesn't mean that you don't hurt it doesn't mean that you don't cry it doesn't mean that things don't go wrong we start the bucket full what happens is as the day goes on it drains Every decision drains your resilience bucket, which is why decision-making and resilience are tied hand in hand, right? It's why if you've made a hundred decisions in the morning, you're going to be more snappy in the afternoon when your partner says to you, what were you making for dinner? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> that is resilience. So what you want to do is work out how can you start that bucket bigger? What do you need to do to make it bigger so it's fuller every day? Good night's sleep, self-care, all those kind of classic things. But the piece most people forget about is how do you stop it draining super quickly? But also how do you make sure that the right things are at the right time? So big important decisions at the beginning of the day are it's good because you'll make a better decision, but it's also gonna drain your resilience really quickly. Having difficult conversations will drain your resilience enormously. So only do one of those a day or fewer. I think that is the thing I think more of us need to work on. I feel like this should be taught in school, (laughs) how to manage our resilience, how to fill that bucket full and how to get it bigger every day. I really like this concept of a resiliency bucket because then it helps me understand what fills it up and what drains it. And that way I can regulate how I'm feeling and how much I have to give And when it's time for me to take a step back and take care of myself, it goes back to being emotionally intelligent, being able to listen, being able to assess the situation. In other words, resiliency increases our EQ and helps us stand up for ourselves when we need to. Thanks for joining me today. You can reach Dr. Tony Collis at TonyCollis.com. Stay tuned to Lead That Thing by subscribing on any of the podcast platforms. Join me next week when I have another inspiring guest tell us about how she empowers women. Until then, Lead That Thing.